If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 16. Verse, this one verse there, verse number 3. I do desire your prayers tonight for the pastor's family, Miss Audrey's family, for our church family. In the day and hour that we live, folks, if you're alive and you're breathing and you got half a brain, you know we got to have the Lord. Amen. I mean, we got to, we've got to have the Lord. I, I don't understand. I don't. I almost can't comprehend in my mind trying to live in uh, in this world in this hour without the Lord. And with that being said, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm washed in the blood. I know I'm where I am where God put me. I know I have Him, but I want Him to know that He has me. So I want to talk to you for just a few minutes tonight about have I made the commitment? Some tonight may need to trust the Lord and Savior as their has their Savior to save their soul, to wash their sin away and put their faith and trust in Him and make that commitment to Him uh, to believe He's the Son of God that He died on the cross for their sins and He was buried and He arose and put your faith and trust in Him and trust Him to wash that sin away and make you clean and holy and righteous and pure in the eyes of the Lord. But a question tonight I'd like to ask myself is does the Lord have all of me? So does the Lord have all of you? You might not realize it tonight. And then again you may. That if you're not there yet you will be at a time in your life where the Lord is going to be all that we have left. There's nowhere else to turn. There's nowhere else to turn. Mom and daddy can't fix it. Money can't fix it. The preacher can't fix it. The politicians. <laughs> that's a joke. But we've got, we got to have the Lord. So if you're saved tonight and you're washed in the blood, have you committed your works, your way, your will to the Lord? Proverbs 16 and verse 3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord. And thy thoughts shall be established. That little word there, just a little old six letter word there in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3 says commit. It's just six letters. It's just two more than that awful four letter word we all hate, work. But commit. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Let's pray. Father, tonight, Lord, as we come before you, Lord, we come humbly thanking you, Lord, for the privilege, God, of just knowing you. To know, Lord, in this hour that we live, we have a Savior, one, dear God, that knows our every thought, our every need, our every heartache, our every care. And Lord, not only do you know, but Lord, you're more than able to comfort. You're more than able to give that strength and that mercy and grace that's needed in, in each and every life. 
And Lord, tonight we come tonight, God, seeking just that. Your comfort, your strength, your grace. Lord, may our refuge and our strength be found in you tonight. Lord, I do pray you'd be with Audrey's family. Lord, that you would just pull them up real close and just love on them. And Lord, help us to that night, Lord, at Solomon Baptist Church family. Lord, we'd just pull up a little closer to you. And Lord, you might pull a little closer to us in this hour. And Lord, at the night, if there's one that's lost, Lord, they'd be saved by your marvelous grace. Please, God, don't let nobody leave this place tonight. Lord, it does not know you in the free pardon of sin. And Lord, whatever happens tonight, Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines commit as literally to sin to or upon, to throw, put, or lay upon. To give in trust, to put into thine hands or power of another. To entrust with to, to give over to someone else. When we put our trust in the Lord, it gives us stability to our thoughts. It gives stability uh, to our plans in our life. When whatever, whatever our thoughts are, whatever our plans are, our stability comes not in our thoughts or our plans, but knowing that they are in the Lord. And to give God that complete veto power of, okay, God, if this is not what I thought it was, then Lord, whatever you say, that's the way that I'm going to go. I'm just going to, I'm going to totally put my trust in you, totally, totally put my faith in you. What does Solomon mean here by this word commit? It, it's an interesting word and it, it comes from the Hebrew word gala, which means to roll, whether it is rolling up or rolling away from or rolling to or together, or walla, we're to, we are to roll our way upon the Lord like a camel that lies down for a heavy load. In the olden days, they would get those camels down and, um, and, and they would load the burden over. They'd kind of roll the burden over onto the camel. Then the camel would stand up and it would travel. And that's what he's talking about. It's what Solomon's talking about here. And there's several thoughts that I'd like to, to give you on rolling something that we can apply to rolling our way upon the Lord. Whatever our cares are, whatever our heartaches, whatever our troubles, there's none too heavy that the Lord cannot carry, no matter what it is. You and I look sometimes and think, well, I just can't go on. I just can't carry this load. Well, that's true. You can. But the Lord can. And that's where we find... uh, our strength in, that's where we find our stability in, is Him when we realize that we can't, but He can. I don't want you to look at surrendering tonight. When you roll something to someone, such as a ball, and, and I bought this ball out here tonight to, to kind of illustrate what I'm trying to say here. Uh, it's kind of like a ball when you're releasing, or you're surrendering, or you're building control to the ball. Matthew, get up there. You're just standing there looking pretty, so you can stand there. I've got the ball. I'm in complete control of the ball. Whatever happens to the ball is in my control. But as long as I carry the ball and, it, and I can't handle everything that's going in the ball, and, but whenever, and the ideal is to roll upon is the ideal of rolling it over on the Lord and tonight Matthew's going to be the Lord. And so it's the ideal of taking whatever I am and I'm rolling it to him and I'm giving him, now he's in control of the ball. 
And if you noticed, as the ball rolled, it went over and over and over. It rolled and rolled and rolled. And that's, that's the way our lives, God wants our lives to be, is we are continuously rolling everything. Because every day there's going to be something new. Every day there's a different heartache. Every day there's, a different, there's, new, there's new circumstances. There's new things that comes up every day. This morning I don't think anybody got up and thought they would face the day that you face, whatever your day is. And so when we continuously roll our cares unto the Lord, when we make that commitment, that com- commit to the Lord, the Lord's in control. I'm not in control in, of the ball anymore. I'm not in control because I've yielded to Him. And one thing the Lord, the Lord is not going to do is He's not going to put on me more than I can bear. And when I make that commitment to the Lord, it's not my job to go back over here and say, Okay, God, I commit it to you, but you ain't doing what I thought you was going to do. You didn't meet my expectations. I thought when I rolled it upon you, everything was going to be just fine. You convert, you may have thought when you got saved and you rolled all of your sin to the Lord, He took care of it. You thought you wasn't never going to have no more problems. You thought you wasn't never going to have no more heartaches. You thought there's never going to be no more pain. And then, all of a sudden, you found out different. And so, you said, well now Lord, I know why I trusted you, but look here. I like control. I like, I want to commit my life to you, but if I commit my life to you, then that means I have to give you control. And I'm not sure I want to do that. So then we do this most brilliant thing, or I do that I'm very good at it, is sometimes I like to put the Lord to the test. And God says, who are you to put me to the test? You've got my word. I've done told you what I'm going to do. There you put me to the test. And by the way, who are we tonight to put God to the test? Sometimes it's heartbreaking. Sometimes it's what things that we don't expect. But God said during those times, you just, you roll all your cares to me, and you trust me, and I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to go far above and beyond anything and everything that you can ever even comprehend. I'm going to do things for you that you don't even... If you will just obey me and leave it in my hands, you're going to see what I can do. And I believe we all can use more of God. Thank you, Matthew. But that's the idea of that rolling it to Him. And He's, he's in control. And see, here's the thing is when you think about it, when our burdens get so heavy, who really wants to carry them? I mean, your burdens, your burdens can get so heavy, you think, well, I just can't carry them. And so, who really wants to carry them in the first place when we got our Lord, our Savior, who wants to carry them for us? And when we surrender our works in our life to Him, the Bible says, David said in Psalm 55 and verse 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. If we cast our burdens to the Lord, he said, I'll sustain you. I'm going to take care of you. And he didn't say, give me your instructions and I'll do it the way you want to. He said, I will. I will sustain you. And folks, I need that sustaining of the Lord. I know families tonight that need that sustaining of the Lord. 
They've got to have God to help them. We're to cast or throw our burden, roll our burden upon the Lord. First Peter 5 and 7, he says, Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And folks, if we would stop living for ourselves long enough to understand, God really does care for us. It's not just something the preacher preaches. It's not just something you're reading in Sunday school lesson. He really does care for you. How much does he care for us? He's laid down his life on the cross and died just for me and you. But we've heard that so many times. We've saw so many decorated crosses. We've heard it so many times that it's just because, well, uh, there it is again. I've heard it again. We take the true meaning. The, The devil, we allow the devil to steal the true meaning and what really happened there on that day. The cross, uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit in the Sunday school lesson this week. It's a good one. Is that cross always involved death? It wasn't a beautiful thing. But we, we've, we've so made it to the place where uh, we've almost taken what really happened there on that day. J.L.M. Blair advises said, Occasionally we find ourselves disturbed and depressed even in trying to do the Lord's work. Could anything be further from what God desires? God cannot work through anxious hearts. Whenever a Christian reaches this state, he should stop at once and ask himself, Whose work is it? If it's God's work, never forget that the burden is also His burden. Amen. found myself praying that today. It's, Lord, this ain't our business. It's Yours. You promised us You do all things well. And so we're going to just believe You. I'm going to just believe You. And then there's the thought not of just surrendering, but the thought of surrounding when you roll something, you're, you're also surrounded such a rolling yourself in a blanket, just like it was a roll that's over and over. Or, you know, uh, you're rolling up a blanket. Uh, sometimes we take our blankets off and we roll them up to put them in the closet for the summer. It's that, that rolling up, it's like uh, rolling a blanket or rolling cookie dough and flour and nuts and cinnamon. But, beloved, God wants us to surround our life in His care. He wants our life rolled up in Him. That it surrounds us. Every way we turn, there He is. And by the way, He's there every way you turn. It's just, can you see Him? Do you want Him there? And see, this is where the peace comes from. This is where, this is where uh, we're nestled in God's hands when we're just realizing, hey, God, God said commit, I'm just, I'm just rolled up in Him, that there's nothing going to get to me that's going to hurt me that he don't already know about, that he not already has a plan for. David said in Psalms 5 and 12, For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, and thou compass him has with a shield. That word compass there means to surround. So there's the thought of surrendering, the, sur- the thought of surrounding, then there's the thought of smoothing. I remember uh, when I was just a, a little child, I remember my grandmother, well, all up, I mean, she had a flyer bowl. How many of y'all knows what a flower bowl is? Hers was about this big around, about that deep, and she kept it full of flour, and that's where she made them great big old cat head biscuits. Every day, every day she made them biscuits. And she'd get that dough out, and she'd roll it out, and she'd get that roller out, and she'd roll it. And she'd roll it out to it's smooth, there's no lumps in it, then she'd take that cutter, and she'd cut them biscuits out. I thought everybody knew how to make biscuits. Don't blame me for nothing I said because I stopped right there and I didn't say nothing else. But this idea of smoothing, that process of rolling. And, and when you roll something, you, you roll it smooth or roll it out. And we're to, to, to lay our life just flat out before the Lord. And just roll our life upon Him. 
and, and to understand, folks, that we're to open, be open and honest with Him. We're, we're to, to lay out our life before Him and just tell Him, here it is, Lord. Just, just roll it out. Say, here it is. Because He already knows anyway. Do you really think that at, God didn't already know anything that He asked any of His apostles to do? He already knew. When he come in the garden and asked Adam, where art thou? Do you really think God didn't know? He didn't ask Adam where he was at because he needed to know. He asked Adam that question because he wanted Adam to know where he's at. And see, that's the same step here. Just that over and over. Repeatedly. We're repeatedly, or as the Bible says, daily surrender and yield, commit, and trust our life in the Lord. See, yesterday might have been a great day of faith. But today's a new day. Guess what tomorrow's going to be? A brand new day. So in the morning, we've got to get up and we've got to believe God. We've got to roll our faith over on Him. Roll everything that's about us over on Him and say, Lord, I can't carry it today. Lord, I've been trying to carry it and I'm not doing such a good job. Matter of fact, Lord, all it's doing is getting heavier and longer and it's wearing me out. And see, folks, today, uh, if, you're, if you're going to roll your life upon the Lord, you need to repeat that walk day by day by day. Some people think, well, this happened, boom, and, I, and, I, and it never happened again. Uh, you hear these stories about people being filled with the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Ghost. I got filled today, I got saved. The Lord came into my heart, took up his abode there, he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And I know there's, there's feelings to do different things, but I'm talking about here, folks, is when you get saved, you're saved forever. You're saved forever. And when we, but we need, daily need to Today and every day to practice uh, rolling uh, everything upon the Lord. And the more we do that, the easier it becomes. But that still does not mean you're going to roll right out of where all the troubles are coming. Don't mean you're never going to have problems. Don't mean you're never going to have these, these things that comes in our heart and our life that just breaks us. God's going to allow those things to come in our life for a purpose. And those things are to make us stronger in Him. You remember David? He said, I remember the bear. I remember the lion. And those, that bear and that lion prepared him for that Philistine. But David had done rolled all the thing unto the Lord. And he, he didn't say, I'm going to do this now. He said, but the Lord, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And see, you'll find it's much easier to roll something away from you than it is to roll something towards you because your feet get, tend to get in the way. See, it would have been hard for me to hold my, sit out here and roll the ball to myself. I can't go very far and roll the ball back to myself. And if I do, I won't be able to hardly bend down there and pick it up. But it's, it is much easier just to roll it upon the Lord. And, and see, when we try uh, to roll it to ourselves, all that tends to do is we get in the way. We get, we get in the way of what God wants to do when we're trying to do things ourselves. And we, we want to we get ourselves in the way. God, God don't ask us about our ability. He don't ask us about our uh, uh, availability. He don't ask us about our ability or our inability. All he says is for us to make ourselves available. He wants us to release our grip on our will and yield his control. So have you made that commitment? Just going to put everything on the Lord. And it's not a one-time thing, folks. It won't be a decision you make tonight. It'll be a decision on every situation that comes up in your life. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. It, it, don't, it does not take a great man or a woman to be a Christian. It just takes all of them. And it takes everything about us. To be. You can't just be a good Christian here. You've got to be a good Christian at home. You've got to be a good Christian on the job. 
You got to be a good Christian at Walmart. You got to be in the good be a good Christian when somebody's cutting you off in traffic. You got to be a good Christian when people stand and cuss you out because you profess to be a Christian. That's where the real standing comes. It's easy to hand out a track. The trial comes when they're cussing you and they're making fun of you and you're telling you you're the hater and you're this and you're that and you're the other. And you're the cause of all the problems. But real Christianity is standing in that time saying, no, I'm just going to go with God and I'm going to believe Him to take care of me. Because folks, we're living in a time in our nation right now. You better, you better know what you believe. You better know why you believe it. Or you ain't going to stand for nothing or nobody. And it's here. It's today. How bad is it going to get? Well, it's already so bad, bless God, we can't decide which bathroom to use. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. North Carolina's standing here worrying about which, which bathroom we're going to go into. It's amazing. Now, if it's that way now, look at these little kids. Remember all these little kids that's up here in Patch Club? Look at little Aslan there, little Jonah, these other little babies here. Look where it's going to be if Jesus don't come. Look at the world they're going to grow up in. Look at the world that they're going to grow up in. And it's churches like this, and it's pastors like we have, that stand for the truth and the Word of God. Because folks, I told you, if you're in my Sunday school class, I'm thinking the preacher, so we're getting letters from the missionaries, the churches are closing it's too hard. It's too, it's too, we just can't go no further. We're just going to quit. Where's the quitting place? Where do you quit? When somebody spreads their arms and dies for you on the cross, where do we have to stand and say, Lord, it's just too hard? It's just too hard. I just can't go no further. Lord, you've never been where I've been. How many crosses you've been nailed to lately? How many cat of nine tails you've been beat with lately? We've been, people are getting beat up. People are suffering. People are. But folks, we ain't faced nothing compared to what some folks have. If you read the news anymore, my soul, I admire, I, I admire men like Eric Elrod and these men are going to these foreign countries to, to preach the gospel. If you read what's been going on over there, just on the news right now, you can go home and read it for yourself. A father raped his little 13-year-old girl and they whipped her. That's where we're at. There's no wrong. The, the, but here's the thing, folks. You and I just need to give everything we have to Him. And in so doing, do you understand the more each individual set here tonight gives to the Lord, then that's more of our church as a whole that the Lord has. Not just you and I but as families and as men of God, women of God, and children of believers, the more we get to Him, the closer our whole church gets to Him. And folks, we're going to need it. We, we, we need it. We need, we're going to. We need it. Why, why is it so important we're talking about uh, this today? I went and got the permits to, to uh, put the sidewalk in so we can use this, use their, this property over here. And, and these people are amazed that a church is trying to expand needs more room when there's so many well, all we hear is well, they can't make the bills they can't pay the bills they can't make the payments and what a blessing it is and, and you know what you just stand there and you just, you just think thank you Lord Amen. thank you Lord 
Thank you, Lord. We're just a little old church down on the side of the road, but thank you, Lord. You're just showing everybody you're not dead. You're not dead. But He needs a people. And He wants a He desires a people for us to just... So have you made that commitment to just put everything on? Number one, dedication is the foundation of commitment. Without it, the believer is unable to offer God anything. Folks, if you're not dedicated to it, then you're not going to do anything. Dedicate it. That word dedication is the act of devoting or giving to. Paul explains it here. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here he emphasizes three things. First he said, it's our body which is to be dedicated as a living sacrifice to God. It's our body. That means we don't even have control of our body. Number two, it means that we're to avoid being conformed to this world, but should strive to be transformed by the word of God. Finally, by doing this, we can, be, we can discover God's perfect will for our lives. He said... Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And folks, if there's anything that this world's looking for and people's are looking for tonight is something real. Amen. They're looking for a church. They're looking for people that are real. Not just real people, but real Christian people. People that really love God. When, they, when you tell somebody you love God and you're a Christian, do they really believe it? Do they really believe it? I told my Sunday school class Sunday, the preacher's sitting here tonight, him and his wife. I told him uh, just this, this past week, just a couple weeks ago, me and the preacher went and heard a, a, a great message. We heard it at a, uh, it was a great message. And, and my question was this, is I was sitting there thinking, I wonder if he really believes that. It's easy for the preacher to work up a message and, and come up with all this. But you know, the preacher has to believe it too. The pastor has the pastor has the pastor has to be the first person in this church to believe that God's going to take care of this church. And then he convinces us, I believe God's going to take care of us. More than one time I went on our boat, I'll tell you right now, it don't look good. What? We're going to believe God. You've heard this story a thousand times, but if you lived it, it would never grow old. It was the day we brought that checkbook out here and put it right here. Three months I've been here. And I took that checkbook and I went there and told the preacher, I said, Preacher, I'm going to tell you right now, the church cannot afford me to be here. I then went back and I'm thinking, I'm going, this ain't going to, Progressive done announced, they closing the doors. 26 days after I left, they closed the doors. And I told them, boys, I said, I told you and I left, they shut the doors. But anyway, that's supposed to be funny. But we, we brought, he said, we're going to, and that next morning he come out here and he said, put that checkbook right there and here's what we're going to do. I know God saved me. I know God put me here. I know God, I know God put you here. And we're going to put, we're going to put that checkbook right here. And that day, we rolled all of our cares onto the Lord. Been here. I've been here. He's been here going on 25 years. I've been here now going on nine. In July, July the 1st be nine years. And not one time have we ever made a late payment. Not one time have he or I, either one, ever not got a paycheck. Not, we've never missed a power bill. Matter of fact, every time I think, every time I think things gets tied, and I tell the preacher, brother, we need to hold back on spending. We need to hold back on spending. And God just says, yeah, let me show you what we're going to do. 
Last month, I told the preacher, I said, Brother, we need to hold back on spending in two days. We spent $1,200. I didn't even know we was going to spend. I said, okay, Lord, I'll just try my best. I was trying my best to come and take it away from you. And God, you just showed me again. But I reminded him it's his bills. He's going to pay them. Because he was going to look awful. Because we done told him God's going to take care of us. And you, but if you don't, then you're into it. But you know, he don't. What does he owe you? He don't owe me nothing. He don't owe us nothing. But after the dedication of our bodies, we're to commit our heart. And it's amazing, some of you like Bill Cashman and some of you that served in service will know more about this. It's always, uh, there's this thing that goes on in Quantico, Virginia. It's a wholehearted human endeavor about these, this sniper program in Quantico, Virginia. The school admits 25 men for an eight-week course of 16 days. Very few people pass it. To graduate, each goes on a mock mission into a well-defined area where instructors search for the sniper. If they can find him, they can fail him. To get in range of the target, a sniper may move forward at a rate of one inch per hour. He may sit for days absolutely still despite cold rain, insect bites, and fear. No one gets out without singleness of heart. That means their whole heart's got to be into it. They're there for a purpose. They're there to train. They're there for a purpose. The bugs don't run them off. The snakes don't. Now, a snake will put me on a roll, I'll tell you that. But <laughs> sniper program, what? Where do they want the door at, you know? But set for days, and no, but no one gets out. That's that singleness of heart. And you, we, watch, we watch the Olympics. We see all the training that goes to place. We see these ball players and all the training that they go through. And we expect that out of them, don't we? We expect that out of them. You expect, when you watch the Olympics, you expect to see the best. When you watch the Carolina Panthers play, you expect to see the best that they can do on that day because after all, you're watching the program and you want, to, you want to see them do the best. But why should God expect anything less out of us? Why should He expect anything? Remember, He saved our soul from the devil's hell. So God expects that when we come to Him, He deserved a singleness of heart. That our hearts will be dedicated unto Him and we make that commitment to Him and we're just going to believe Him and trust Him. And you can say, well, it's easy for you to stand up and talk about, hey, I have to apply it to my life every day just like you do. The preacher has to, the pastor has to apply it just like everybody else does. It don't come any easier for he or Miss Darlene or I or my wife or any of us than it does anybody else. And Matthew and Sarah, they fixing to really learn something. <laughs> Levi's on the way. He's got his own room now, praise God. But there's the dedication is the foundation of commitment, but also to dedicate our whole life to God. Second Timothy says we're to commit our salvation to him. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believe and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. He made that commitment. To believe God, God's going to take care of us. Folks, there's so many people quitting. There's so many people that are just rolling over. We're to commit our works. Psalm 6, Proverbs 16 and 3, our text verse, Commit thy works unto the Lord. Then our goals in life are to be given to Him. Job said, I would seek unto God, and to God would I commit my cause. David said, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. And folks, our, our Lord Jesus did this very thing. When he was on this earth, 1 Peter 2.23, he says, Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself. 
to him that judges rightly. He wrote everything his whole life. Remember the prayer? Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, Father, but thine be done. My, when the Son tells the Father. That word commitment is an act or a ceremony separating from a, a common or a sacred use or that of devoting and dedicating a personal thing to the service and worship of God. That, that, that consecration there he's talking about. An illustration is a lady said, Would you please tell me in a few words, said a Christian woman to a minister, what do you think consecration means? So he just pulled out a blank piece of paper. So that word consecrate means you just sign it across the bottom and let God fill in the blank. You just put, okay, I'm God, I'm going with you. No matter where it is, God, I'm going with you. Sometimes, that, sometimes, sometimes, man, everything's just on top side, you know. Everything's on top side. He's there too. But boy, when it gets tough, he's there too. When it's unbearable, he's there too. I, I, I just, it's amazing, just amazing. You look back and you begin to thank God. We, if we spend a little more time thanking God where he brought us from, we might not be asking him so much about where to take us to when we just think about Don't dwell on the past, but my Lord, I was a lost hell-bound sinner. I was on my way to hell. And you know, tonight, in that hour uh, of death, we can with confidence commit our souls to God. David said in Psalms 31, 5, Into thy hand I commend my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, O God of truth. Folks, Jesus steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Luke 9 and 51 and 53 says, It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And when they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Jesus had a definite destination. He was headed somewhere. He was face was set like a flint. He didn't look to the right or to the left. He said his, he knew what lay for him in Jerusalem. He knew, he knew what it held for him. He meant for him, Jerusalem meant sorrow. Gethsemane with its travel. The judgment hall with its injustice and shame. The cross with its anguish. He looked down the road and he saw what was in front of him, but he set his face like a flint. He rolled everything on the Father and said, Father, to thy hands. And folks, that's exactly where God wants us tonight. His gold, he was tempted, he turned aside, he, he was tempted to turn aside from his gold. He was tempted in his sufferings. His friends wished him to draw him aside from the sufferings. Remember Peter, Lord, yeah, that ain't going to happen. But you know tonight, those who've, who stayed with the stuff, just stayed with the stuff, just stayed with the stuff, you know somebody tonight that you could look and you think about, they just stayed with the stuff. They just stayed with the stuff. I hope I'm not out of line here, but I was thinking today, do you know who received the Faithfulness Award last year at homecoming? She stayed with the stuff. And I hope tonight when, when Jesus takes me out, that the people that come by, my wife, my children, say, Daddy stayed with the stuff.
people to look at this church tonight. It's my heart. When people ride by this church, they're staying with the stuff. People's looking for something from real from God. They can walk into this door and say, man, they're staying with the stuff. They're staying with the stuff. But that comes from us making a commitment. Day by day, we're just going to stay with the stuff. After all He's done for us, why can we not make that full commitment to Him? And I hope and pray tonight you have made that commitment. I've found that's something I have to do every day. I have to make that commitment every day. Every situation. Every, no matter what it comes. No matter whenever I think the Lord's going to go this way. And you know He hardly ever goes that way. The preacher always says, we're going to wait and see what the Lord does. And I'm thinking, you got a pretty good plan, won't you go with it? And he'll say, we're going to wait and see what the Lord does. Sometimes the Lord leaves him right there. And then sometimes you get that in the morning when you hear that door shut. And then you hear the church door shut. And then you hear these words. What? You got a minute? I've been thinking. Preacher, I'm done.